All right, for the final time, we're going to recap the weekend and what happened on the shows. In case you haven't heard, I'm leaving 2FM. I want to say a massive thank you to everybody for listening, whether it was here on the podcast or on the show live at the weekends. It's been an absolute pleasure. And of course, the last two years of radio have taught us how important it is. And that would be nothing without you and your contribution to it. So a big appreciation to you guys and also to the team who have helped me put this together over the years. It's been a joy to work with you all from producer Kate to Graham and Cormac and Speedcheck and Grace. Uh, it's been so much fun. Uh, big thank you to everybody who helped us get all the big interviews as well. It's been a pleasure to have some up-and-coming Irish acts on here who have gone on to do great things, but also at the same time some people from international waters who have, have gone on to do incredible things, like Billie Eilish appearing for the first time on Irish Radio in 2016, or when we spoke to Lewis Capaldi in uh, The Roadcaster, and he sang us a song, and everyone just dropped their jaws and, and knew that he was going to be something, and two years later, boom, he was... It's been fun. So let's recap everything we did at the weekend. Like I said, some massive stars, including these guys, Jake Gyllenhaal and the legend that is Yaya. If you don't know who he is, you might know him as Morpheus in the latest version of um, The Matrix, which came out last year. And then on top of that, he played Candyman. He's going to be an absolute superstar. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Spoke to the two of them and they even sang me a song. Take a listen to this. Steven, what are you wearing, Steven? What am I wearing? Yeah, man, what you wearing? You got like the, uh, like, 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 uh, it's a, MC, like Backstreet Boys kind of, you know, 90s vibe <laughs> thing kind of going on. The 90s is coming back, trust me. I'm, I'm a child of Donnie Darko, so <laughs> we're going straight back to that. My son crazy, but it ain't no lie. Bye, 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 I remember, trust me. Like I said, I'm a child of the 90s. <laughs> Donnie Darko changed my life, man. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, congratulations on this, lads. I mean, what an absolute punch in the face of a movie. I can only imagine that when you guys were in that ambulance together, which is such a confined space, the atmosphere was up to here. So did you have to keep it at that level all the time in order to achieve what you achieved? Just yeah. about, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, this movie doesn't allow you to relax. Um, making it feel feels just about exactly like what the film looks like uh you know and and, and uh, michael wouldn't let us drop the energy you know even if even if we try you know he'd be right back you know right there to come on lift come on right back come on come on all right Let's come go. on guys come on. all right all right all right come on guys i'm right in saying that he handed the camera over to you jacob points as well and that you were running around with it Mm, not running that around. No, yeah, just... <laughs> I love how the story is. I, mean, I, I know that I every love... time we have, almost every interview, there's just like, so we hear Jake that it's actually not Michael Bay's movie. Um, like, uh, uh, no, what happens? So uh, the, the the space is so tight in an ambulance. You know, it's so yeah. small. <clears throat> and he passed me the camera at one point on a shot of Yaya because we were shooting on a live street, and the sun was perfect from where I was sitting. And so I operated the camera for a little while. And now it's become that I direct action sequences in Michael Bay movies. <laughs> <laughs> ripping and running with it's going to be soon. Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> is a control freak. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's for sure. But yeah, I don't but know. <laughs> that comes from a, it comes from a, you know, from an interview that I gave when I was describing what it was like on set. And, and that particular thing that, you know, the incident that mm -hmm. Jake just describing was, uh, I thought it was really cool. You know, that, that speaks to how much of an all hands on deck, you know, experience this was. Um, but I would, you know, at the same time, I do want to, I do want to just make sure that we give credit to, you know, to, oh. you know, to the team yeah. that deserves the credit. And the crews and everything. <laughs> this He's a good guy. He's a good guy. 
I am not one for blood and guts, and I, there are many moments in this movie where I have to look away. I, I just can't yeah. deal with it. Oh, what yeah, was yeah. that like on set? Were you guys even creeped out and grossed out by that itself, or were you like fully in it? No, I was lucky enough not yeah, to really Jake, be there. Jake, when Jake I was, was lucky happening. enough to where he, he was either in the front or he didn't have to be there. But I was, I was there, man, and I had my hands in there and and my face <laughs> in that. Uh, you know what? Like, there's instances. You have your face in that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Huh. And then Mike's like, a little too much. It's like, you sure? He's like, come out of there, it's buddy. It's bad for continuity. It's like, come you out have, out you have blood all over your face. <laughs> like, come out of here, buddy. Oh. Um, I mean, every every movie that Michael Bay makes is an absolute spectacle, but that's a difficult thing to do in the midst of a pandemic. So, what did that add in terms of layers to this? Because I'm sure you guys had to dance around everything, like pure choreograph, pure, purely choreographed. Or how was it? I mean, it was it was great fun. I mean, that that, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is why you want to make a movie like this. You know, I mean, um, there are these massive sequences. And, and a lot of those sequences, they involved us and sometimes they didn't, you know, mm-hmm. we had incredible stunt crews and, um, uh, but it was really, really cool to watch Michael Bay work, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. supreme confidence mixed with like, you know, edge of risk and safety also, just because you're working with some of the best people in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that was really fun. And speaking of like working, you know, in the pandemic, we were so fortunate to be, to be able to be working um, mm-hmm. in that situation that, you know, in a time where so many people were inside their homes, uh, either not working or uh, just definitely living in a, you know, uh, had to change change their lifestyles, you know. Um, and Michael, he would always talk about what this movie would be like in the theaters, you know, about mm-hmm. what this experience would be like. So, you know, we knew that he had those people in mind, you know, and, you know, thinking about what it would be like for them to be able to hopefully uh, come back out into the world and experience this movie in the theater. So, mm. you know, the, there was a lot of a lot of heart and a lot of um, a lot of inspiration. You know, uh, um, yeah, and that, and that and that came directly from Michael. Mm. As big as his movies are, this one is pretty character driven in so many ways. So, congratulations, guys! And before we go, can I please just get one more? I know I can't take no more. Bye 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 bye. There we go. We didn't stop there. Jared Leto. I met him in London during the week to talk all about his brand new movie, Morbius, which is out this week. The latest in a string of Sony releases from uh, their deal with Marvel. A few people pop up in this one. And I also got to talk to Jared Leto all about his first movie that he ever filmed, which just so happened to be in Ireland. Take a listen to this. Dude, congratulations. And also, I want to say thank you as well for the amount of content you've given us the last year from We Crash to House of Gucci to this. Oh, you've thank you. have kept us entertained, so I appreciate that because we've needed it. I, 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 when I think about these three, I appreciate that. It's funny you mentioned those three projects. It kind of makes my head spin because they're so different. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I have my glasses on because I'm shattered under here. You're rocking the vampire look, maybe. You, you know, say. I'm feeling the vampire. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Um, obviously, you've worked on superhero movies before in the past, so what sort of considerations do you have to put into a decision like this to take on a project as big as this one? You need to be prepared for the pressure that comes along with stepping into a role like this, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm doing this now and I didn't do it earlier in my career. I, th- I think it's the right time for me. Um, it's the first time this character's been on the big screen. Yeah. 
and uh, I'm excited for audiences to meet Dr. Michael Morbius, and I, I hope everyone has as much fun with him as, as I did, and it's a beginning, so there's lots of room to uh, grow and explore, and we'll see what the future has in store. What is the most challenging part of a role like this? Because there's the emotional side to it, there's the human side to it, but then there's also those big action moments as well. You know, it, it, it's it's quite unlike anything I've ever done before. You know, there was there were stunts, there's CGI, there's technology, there's you know this transformation that takes place. They're really, it's like having three characters in one in a yeah. way, um, and, and I love that. It was really kind of perfectly suited for my interests and. Um, I just feel really honored to have been asked to bring the character to life for the first time. That's a, that's a unique, uh, that's a unique thing to be able to do. And a project like this as well welcomes in a whole host of opinions from fans who love yeah. this character so much. Is that something that you find easy to engage with, or do you choose to kind of really just park it on the side and, and try not to interact with it so that you can find your own version of Morbius? No, I think it's important to 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 to, to really listen to your to tune everything out and listen to that inner voice mm. and to follow your 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 gut, your creative um, spirit, so to speak. Uh, yeah, I started at the beginning with the comics and, and researched, read everything that I could and, you know, spent a lot of time with the artwork. I found that to be a great source of inspiration. Um, and then at a certain point, you have to let your imagination take over and, uh, yeah, I keep looking at that poster behind it. It's so bizarre to see, you know, you. The, the face and then the mask, you know, the, it's, it's a... It's just such a wild thing. <laughs> I'd say it's especially stranger even to see yourself after Haisaguchi because you're like, that's not me. Is yeah, that me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, I'm, it, it was different for me because I actually look like me in a lot of the film. Yeah, yeah. And that's rare as well. I don't often look like, uh, like, like I do. You did so good. I want to throw your Thank mind you. back about 20 years to your time in Ireland. Oh, which, yeah. How was that for you when you filmed uh, there? I loved the film, and actually I worked with the person who wrote the book for oh, wow. a number of years as yeah. well. Wow. How was your time in Ireland back then, and, and how much did you take from it in the 90s? I mean, it was it was life-changing for me. I mean, I was in, in Dublin, I think it was 1995. Yeah. Um, I said earlier, I remembered that there was a news report that I had died. So when I was there, <laughs> People would come up to me in the street every day and be like, oh, I, I thought you died. I'm so glad you're not yeah, dead. And we didn't like, have hey. the internet then to be like, he's no, not. <laughs> no, it was like a report of the news. It was very strange. And, you know, sometimes people wouldn't be that upset either. Like, <laughs> okay, fine. Did you okay. ever get to the end of like, it to find out where that did. rumor came from? It was, on, it was reported on the news somewhere. I would love to get that broadcast, but that's what I heard. It was on the news. They reported it mistakenly on the, on the news broadcast. Uh so I thought that was very funny, but um, um, yeah, it, it was a great time, a, a beautiful experience. My first film that I ever starred in, yeah. 1995, and you know, uh, really, really special, impactful time. I mean, I remember it like, like it was yesterday. I remember, you know, I remember so much time I spent walking around Dublin and that park, is it called Green Park? What's that Stevens park? Green. Stevens Green, yeah, yeah. and it was something green. Uh, yeah, Stevens Green right there. And of course Dublin's 
grown so much. Yeah. The city's changed so I much. I saw you live three years ago, I think, oh, in wow. the arena. Oh, I was wow. at the gig. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, we, I really have a love for that country. It's a beautiful, special place. Well, man, we have a love for you. So Thanks, congratulations so. on this. And like I said, thank you for the last year of work. There was also movie news from Ireland this week. We spoke to Alicia Cuthbert, who uh, spoke all about her role in The Cellar, which is an Irish horror movie that came out at the weekend. Absolutely frightening and creepy, with Owen Mackin in it as well, based on a short film from 2004, I think, which gained huge critical acclaim at all the festivals it was... uh, it was showed at all those years ago and continued to be showed at for years as well. It just kept screening because uh, it was named one of the most frightening short films ever made. Here she is talking all about the movie and filming in Roscommon. Congratulations uh, on this. I mean, you're a fan of horror yourself. You must be at this stage. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm definitely a fan of making horror films. I I try to keep them... um, separate and and not sort of I mean I kind of take my time after each one as you can see but but I think once a good one comes around you it's undeniable and um this one certainly was undeniable for me especially sort of where I'm at mentally and um in my career there was like an air of sophistication to it it felt like there was sort of more atmospheric and less gore and in your face horror so I was really drawn to it and um it was it was a whole lot of fun what is it about the genre itself that you know attracts you to accepting roles and and and, and stuff like this? Because obviously, I'm a big horror fan. I absolutely okay. adore. I am a subscriber to Shudder, so on that oh, level, wow. I am. Cool. Yeah, perfect. So I am. I'm deep in in the genre. So for you, what is it about it that you go? Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna do another one. Yeah, I think you have to sort of be. Uh you got to be drawn to the character that's mm. sort of involved in the crazy. Cause it's like, once you get, I know sort of now with my experience and past doing the genre that when you get there and you get on set, you really have to let all inhibitions go and you have to really put your whole self into it and just go for it. I mean, to sort of scream and, 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 you know, get into that headspace of, you know, sheer terror and you you really have to let all inhibitions go and, and go for it. So that can be really liberating and a lot of fun. Mm. So Uh, You know, reading the scripts, feeling like those were like those films that I'd done in the past, sort of comparing it to Brendan's script. This felt like something totally fresh and new and different. And I like the idea that it was like very like atmospheric. And, you know, there was it was a a long sort of gradual build to the real the real terror of it all. So and, and, you know, without any spoilers, I mean, it sort of threw me for a spin uh, a little bit at the end when I read it. So I thought, wow, this is really intriguing. This is really interesting. This is something you'd never read before. So I was uh, I was excited. <laughs> and with horror there, I mean, there's so many complexities to actually getting it right and maneuvering it, choreographing it, all those things on set. So how meticulous did you guys have to be in, I guess, the steps to actually bring those moments of jump scares or even just yeah, you suspense? Really do. Yeah, you're right. There is a real art to it. There's a real dance between, you know, camera operator and and myself and and also Brendan sort of strategizing how we're going to make those jump scares happen so yeah there you know everyone's like oh it must be so scary making a horror film the locations can be scary but the actual you know technical technique of making these things appear on camera the way they do is um is a sort of a fine science and it's uh it's interesting and there's no scarier place in the world to be than Ross Common. I'm joking. I'm joking. 
<laughs> you said that, not me. Um, I, I, what was it like everyone, being there and filming? Yeah, and but I, you know what? It was so beautiful to me, and and really, I got to quarantine for two weeks there on the property where we shot the film, where you the big houses. And it was it was such a beautiful property with a stream creek running through it and and uh, you know beautiful trails and and sheep farms and I mean it was just absolutely outstanding to me um, and it was really a time in my life where the COVID pandemic was at its height but it was really a time for me to be with myself for two weeks and focus on the film and I, I never get to do that I never get to prepare for two weeks before a film in that way in seclusion it was really special it was really a gift yeah I really would go back and shoot in Roscommon you know at any point <laughs> I, I really would um when oh. it comes to that as well I mean on set behind the scenes when you're not at COVID probably out of the layer of this not being the case but I can only imagine if I was working on a horror movie I'd be hiding behind doors trying to scare everybody every two minutes <laughs> was there anybody who was doing that a lot or was there any of that at all when it came to behind the scenes the, I, Owen had a really good time kind of scaring the kids, but we did have a really weird situation where right before we started filming, we had an infestation of like dead flies in all of our cottages, which was like really creepy and no one can really explain how they got there or why they were there in the dead of winter. So um yeah and did you we, google it because there's always something scary if you google it there'll always be something that will tell you that oh, you're yeah. being and possessed then owen, and then, <laughs> yeah and then owen found out that we were our cottages were actually built on top of a, a um an abandoned chapel and i was like really did i really need to know that owen yeah, like did you really need to tell me this <laughs> Yeah, I was like, can you get off the computer and stop Googling so I can like live my life? Oh, what great. advice would you give to people going into horror movies that, you know, might yeah. actually have that extra layer that aren't just your usual, ah, there's so yeah. much more to it than that. I think that's actually a really good point because I think this this horror film, I think The Cellar really is a good entry level, mm. you know, horror film because it's not a lot of gore. I, it's it's it, it's touching on more of a psychological scare than it would be like in your face blood and guts you know there's all different kinds of variations of horror and so um I think there's something really atmospheric about the film so there's a lot of like beautiful shots of the house and you're kind of following this journey of the psyche of a woman who's lost her daughter and she's really um would do anything to to get her back and so I think as a parent it can it can be a real scary thing to imagine so the scare is not so much in in the gore; it's in it's in the fear of losing a child, really. So mm. it's 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 very elevated. It's got an ele yeah, it's got a sophistication to it. So I think there is more than just, you know, the scare jumps. I think there's a real story being told in the film. And when it comes to real life, we hear a noise in the cellar. Are you going down, or are you sending someone else? I've shot enough of these movies. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> No. You're like first flight to Hawaii. We're no gone. Sorry. No, sorry. Nope. Well, congratulations on this. I really loved it. And it's so great seeing more stories coming out of Ireland like this because, you know, Halloween yeah. started here. We are the best when it comes to telling creepy stories. Um, and to have you involved, who, like I said, is such a veteran when it comes to these movies from House of Wax to all the way back to even Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's yes. great to Thank it's you. great to have you on our shores. So congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. You might have seen on your Netflix the other day, Bridgerton season two is out. Like I said on the show, I think it met us all at a point in 2020 when we needed something that was pure escapism. And that's exactly what it was, pure escapism. Um, I got to talk to Nicola Coughlin all about her role in the show. 
And of course, the big revelation at the end of season one that she was the one dishing out all the gossip. She also spilled the beans on what we can expect from Dairy Girls and how her schedule at Bridgerton impacted how many scenes she could do in it. As well as that, you'll find following up from the Nicola Coughlin interview, uh, an interview with the three main stars of the show this time round, including Jonathan Bailey, who is absolutely gorgeous. You'll love this. Take a listen. Nicola, thank you so much for having a chat with us again. Um, I don't know if you remember, but the first time we met was on that Oscar Wilde carpet. Um, yeah. Which was just when this all began and you Everything were so excited made. about it. And then we spoke a little bit later on in the year when it was just about to come out. Mm-hmm. And here we are, season two. How have your feelings changed within all of that? Because obviously your world has changed exponentially. I mean, it's bonkers, isn't it? When you make something, you have no idea if anyone will watch it. And we didn't know the sort of mammoth phenomenon <laughs> it was going to become. And then we went back into production like three months after series one came out. So we hadn't even been out in the world. I'd barely been to the shop when I got back into the <laughs> filming. So it was just nice to be like around people again. Um, but yeah, it's just exciting now because we can actually put it out into the world and then experience the world, you know, <laughs> actually see people face to face and go, oh, what did you think? Did you enjoy? And see yourself face to face as well. That story of you going to New York and seeing the billboard. What was oh. that like? Was well, that, that out of body? That was insane because I genuinely did not know that was there. I'd been to see a Broadway show with my friend Camilla and we were walking to get a slice of pizza and um, we were just walking along and then I just saw myself sort of gigantic like 50 foot poster and I was like what? Yeah it was it was very weird. I re- Yeah I think more so not knowing it was there. If I'd expected it I maybe would have had some framework but there was no nothing. When the last season came out as well, I mean, I'm sure you're probably online sort of tracking as people watch it and seeing their reactions in some ways. What was the reaction like to that last scene of you in the last season? And how excited were you for people to see that moment? I was buzzing. I was really excited. Like they didn't know whether they were going to reveal it at the end of series one. And we um, we ended up filming it after the whole series had been filmed. It was like an add on. And I spoke to Chris Van Dusen, who's a showrunner, who's like, look, we really want to take her on a journey in season two. So it feels like the right thing. And I was like, yeah, I'm completely up for it. But then it's it's funny because I get a complete mix of reactions between people going, I knew it was you. I knew it for one. Or people going, I was so shocked. I couldn't believe it was you. Like, it was crazy. So it's completely two camps, I have to say. I was genuinely shocked, but I was still okay. (laughs) The beauty of this season as well, and I don't want to give anything away for people who haven't watched at all yet and and all of that is we get to hear you with an Irish accent oh yes yeah how freeing is that a lot of people who aren't Irish are like and it's your own accent I'm like no it's not (laughs) (laughs) I was like no 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 she's putting this on but um how freeing was that in a way to to be able to inhabit that side of um, your own life it was really fun um I, I got the script and it sort of said Penelope speaks in a perfect Irish accent and I was like okay (laughs) let's 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 do it it was just fun it was sort of like um creating this alter ego for her that I called Bridget Bridgerton I decided she was this Irish maid so that's an (laughs) official name that nobody in Shandland has has approved but it was great fun but also slightly terrifying in a weird way because it felt so different yeah this is like a whole different thing but it was great I loved it because an accent can change a character so much as well in that regard. So you really have to kind of, I guess, align them in your head in Mm -hmm. that way. I mean, 
the I love the perfect marriages between Julie Andrews talking and then you talking. It just it feels so lovely when that sort of stuff happens. Have you spoken to her? Have you had any conversations with her? She um sent me an email for my birthday and she addressed it from one lady whistle down to the other. It was the best email I've ever gotten. Like that is a framer. Put that in a yeah. Put that on the wall. Um, and of course, this year we saw Jonathan taking on Drag Race. Uh, did you give him any advice for the panel or were you very... <laughs> you know what was funny? Jonathan and I actually filmed that within a week of one another. Oh, really? They, yeah, they filmed it like really quick all together. So I found out, they were like, we've got Jonathan Bailey next week. I was like, oh my God. Um, I mean, he does not need my voice. Johnny is a star and he's just gorgeous. And yeah, he was brilliant. Just like you. Um, as well, when it comes to it, you know, everybody's anticipating Dairy Girls. For you, how... <laughs> has it been knowing that you are obviously involved in two of the biggest series in the world right now but also how much people have been anticipating this and that collectively is, is it like having two just massive juggernauts that you have so much to look forward to yeah you know what it was it's it's amazing it also was like last year was super stressful when it came to it yeah. <laughs> we were meant to film dairy girls in january and then they decided to push it to the end of the year and i was like on contract to Bridgerton and I was like guys I've, I I have to go yeah it's a contract thing so I was like I literally have to go and film it so it was very stressful because at one point I was like am I even going to be able to do both and there was tears and stress and I was like okay um and when it came down to it I did end up getting written out of some of Dairy Girls which was pretty devastating but look, I, I petitioned to be in all of it. That's all I'm going to say. But um, we okay. got there. It was it was difficult, but it's it's one for the fans and I hope they love it. And we love you. You're a national treasure. Nikki. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having a chat with us. Very much appreciated. My Congratulations. pleasure. Lovely to chat to you. Can you tell me about that um, that chemistry? How does how do you start um, in the beginning of that and make it as palpable as it is on screen? <laughs> it's a t it's a part you know it's a, just like a real partnership isn't it we yeah. are yeah. The, the characters are amazing and, and complicated and, mm. you know, and within this like fantasy joyful world you've got two characters that actually have quite a lot of they're uh, intricate sort of things they have to overcome in order to be together and a lot yeah. of similarities and a lot of similarities and the enemies to lover trope is uh, one of you know is is iconic for a reason and i feel like it's because they can identify in each other something that they hate sort of about themselves yeah <laughs> sorry well, we're sir. giving thanks. a really generic question oh, sorry, sorry. no i was gonna say i was gonna say thanks anthony and uh Trita, I, mean, I mean when you join a, a cast like this what is that like because obviously there was such a family built on this show so is there fears when you do or is it all pure excitement I mean, mostly excitement, which is good. Mm. I, I guess when you're an actor, you're just kind of happy to be in work, especially during the <laughs> pandemic when so many actors weren't able to perform. So the overriding feeling is just like gratefulness. And then for that work to be in such an exciting, clever and successful show is amazing. Um, and, you know, we did come in as a family unit. So the Sharmas came together. So yeah. I think it would have been like, so much scarier if it was just me so having Simone Shelley and then obviously Rupert and Callum join as well was great but then any nerves we did have were dispelled within the first couple of hours because this is such a friendly cast and crew we really loved mm. it Simone I mean the first day that you set on uh, you step on set is there that awe that we get when we enter the show as a, as a viewer you just look at everything and go what this is one of the most beautiful shows on television. What yeah. is it like to, to look around in person and go, wow, we're doing this? 
Well, we filmed the first week of filming for me, it was like a beautiful day, sun was shining. We were at Ascot mm -hmm. filming the races in episode two. So it was a big ensemble week um, with all of us in it. And um, yeah, we were, you are transported um, mm. to the way that they, um, the, the set design, to wearing the corset and the dress, um, to horses being around everywhere. It was just, yeah, truly, it was effortless to even imagine like being in that era. It was- I think there's absolutely yeah, the, the level of craftsmanship in all departments. I mean, it's a tangible world that they create and it's literal, it's there and you can touch and smell it. So it, it's amazing. Mm, yeah. mm. It's like being going to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, isn't it? <laughs> like our job is, you know, we always say we're representing the hundreds of people that worked on it because everything mm. that everyone brought made our work easier. And then, yeah, yeah, so much easier. Yeah, 100%. It's absolutely stunning. And uh, Jonathan as well, I mean, you and Nicola representing on Drag Race, which is lovely to see. And I know you shot that in the same week. Can you give any Drag Race fans an insight into what happened when Jimbo left? Was there more that we didn't see? <laughs> it was shocking. <laughs> the, you know, yeah, it was shocking. But the thing, because we... Yeah, I mean, I just I have to say it was like the most, it was like the best day out I've had. <laughs> um, and the, the only other time that I left, because it was filmed in the middle of lockdown and I went up to Manchester to film that. And also the other one was about a week later, we had the chemistry test. So yeah, but Jimbo leaving was, um, was wild. But obviously I hadn't seen the other episodes at the time, but I yes. could sense off Graham, Rue and Michelle what, um, what a loss that was. Um, and obviously just obviously love Jimbo. I love them all. Yeah. I mean, it was just an amazing, it was just amazing. I've seen it, but if you could sum up this season for 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 viewers who are anticipating it desperately, how would you quickly do it? Uh, Get ready for a slow burn. Slow slow burn. Um, yeah. Big fireworks. The payoff. Payoff. Slow burn with a great finish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like everything, like everything great in life, uh, guys, congratulations. Like I said, I watched this all in one go. And um, the, the problem with that is it made me desperately just want season three right away. So congratulations. Oh. Work well done. Thank, Thank you, so you very much. much. I don't usually do a sign off, but I think I would this time. As I said, a big, massive thank you to everyone for listening to the show, for engaging with us, for playing along with our games um, and engaging with the interviews and everything else, whether it be in the texts, whether it be in my Instagram messages or whether you have never reached out, but you've just enjoyed it um, passively uh, in whatever you're doing throughout your day. It's been an absolute privilege. And like I said, a big thank you to everybody that's helped me put together this show over the years. I've had so much fun, but I'm so excited for the future. I'll see you guys soon.